Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who had a very good day yesterday, Brand Siegel. How are you doing? I think uh, I'm doing great. Just absolutely amazing. I think yesterday should go down as one of the best days in our modern history, you know, especially during our lifetime. Look, any day that we can get a cup full of Ohio State fan tears, you know, we drink them as buddies together. You know, is a great day in my book. And yesterday was, and I, I have a little spiel I'll go on in a little bit, was just a, a chef's kiss type of day is what happened yesterday. We saw Michigan State. They're not bowl eligible. They lost to Penn State 5-7 and seven now. That's amazing. <coughs> Obviously, the Ohio State-Michigan game is amazing. And, but look, we'll get there. We'll get there. Let's, of course, introduce the third member of the podcast, which is Ben O'Brien. Ben, how are you today? What did you think about the result of yesterday? Well, I mean, we can get to it when we talk about it, but I, this is the first time I've really watched either team, and Ohio State's bad. Like, I don't I don't understand the hype at all. They were, they were terrible yesterday. Um, but we'll get to it later. I mean, it was it was a good game. I, I am, I'm not really a, a fan of either, but um, it, I, I enjoyed it. Obviously not as much as, as, as some people on this podcast enjoyed it, but it was a good game. I did enjoy it. It was great, but look, we we have a a lot to talk about today. This is this is we have like five or six major sports going on right now, um, so just so much to talk about. Um, first up, let's talk a little bit about Feast Week, Trevor. We've had a ton of big upsets in college basketball, um, so why don't you uh, highlight a couple of them for us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we we did have a ton of upsets. Um, I'm gonna start just quickly. I want to mention uh, last Sunday we had the Gonzaga Kentucky game. Um, this was a, a huge matchup that I was excited for last Sunday night. Gonzaga won that by a score of 88-72. to I thought this game said more about Kentucky to me. Um, John Calipari, once again, I think got outcoached. It was just, it's kind of weird uh, the way they played. Gonzaga was able to take advantage of, of their defense pretty easily, um, to be honest. We'll see if Kentucky, um, we'll see how they can continue to, to work things out. Obviously, as, as always, Kentucky, they have young teams, you know, usually have a lot of freshmen, um, and they have the big man, Oscar Shibway. So we'll see how they continue to, um, you know, improve as it goes on. Uh, we have the Maui Invitational, which is always a tournament that is exciting to me. Um, and this slate was a very, or this field was a very good one with the exception of one team that was in this tournament that kind of, uh, you know, stuck out like a sore thumb and that was the Louisville Cardinals um the Louisville Cardinals they're just they're just kind of going through it you know they're down bad right now the Louisville Cardinals I believe are now 0-6 unless they've played another game and lost but I believe they're 0-6 they played in the Maui Invitational and in the Maui Invitational you know it's a field of eight teams and you don't just you know it's not like you're down and you're out there's like a loser's bracket so no matter what you play three games in the Maui Invitational. And Louisville lost all three games by pretty big margins. In their first game, they played Arkansas, the Razorbacks, who are a really good team, you know, a fun team that plays up-tempo, uh, coached by Eric Musselman. You know, he's he's been doing a really good job over there at Arkansas. And they got destroyed by 26 points. The final score in that one was 80-54. to that trend kind of continued with Louisville, um, you know, throughout the Maui Invitational. They lost two more games, all by double digits. So Louisville, really going through it. And I know, Ben, that, you know, you, you've kind of been keeping up with this Louisville team as well. And, I mean, how surprising is it that, like you, you said before the podcast, like this is a team that back in 2013 won the national title, and now um, they, have, they have a new coach, 
Obviously, they've had a couple coaches, you know, since Rick Pitino and everything that happened with that. And now they're really struggling. It's not like they don't have a like they have talented players, but they just, you know, they're they're not playing very well. So what do you what do you kind of think about this Louisville situation? It's insane, man. And I, I almost feel bad for its fans. Like, I mean, that's a program that has a lot of history. And again, like, I mean, it, it's been 10 years they won a national championship and they're 0-6. They've lost their exhibition game. They lost multiple bye games. Like, it, it's, a, it's a program that has a lot of tradition, a lot of history, um, a lot of proud fans. And, and where they are in terms of, like, geographically, they have solid recruiting bases. I mean, they're not far from Indianapolis. They're not far from Chicago. Um, they, they have the resources to be successful. They have awesome facilities. Um, and the university puts a lot of money into that program. It's just, it's crazy. You don't ever see a program with, with, with that much pedigree be 0 and 6 like this. Really, I mean, any program, it's hard to be 0 to start your 0 and 6 because you're always playing some sort of cupcake if you're a D1. Um, it, it's, it's rare. I, I can't remember. I, I don't think I've ever seen a, at least in my lifetime, a, a Division One, you know, Power Five program be as bad as they are at the moment. It, it's, it's almost stunning. And yes, they've been punished by the NCAA and they've lost scholarships or whatever, but I mean, that's happened to other teams before and they've been able to climb out of it. This is, this is a historically bad Power 5 program. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I guess getting to the, the good now, the other seven teams were, were really solid. Um, Arizona ended up, you know, kind of winning the championship of this. Um, they beat, I believe it was, they beat Creighton, 81-79. to 79. They beat Creighton. This was a very good game, very tight. Um, in Arizona, I mean, last year we saw all the talent they had and, you know, you have Ben Matherin leave, you have Christian Coloca leave, Dalen Terry, like three very key players, to Arizona. But I remember last year, like watching some of their bench players play. And I was like, man, I'm impressed by their bench. I mean, again, I, last year I picked Arizona to win the national championship once we got the tournament because of just the insane amount of talent they had, the depth they had on their bench. And we're kind of seeing now that like, these guys that may have been, you know, not playing as much, they were bench guys. Now they're stepping up. I mean, one of which is the center, Omar uh, Ballow. He had 30 points and 13 rebounds in this game for Arizona against Creighton. So uh, just, you know, they have Kirk Reese coming back, uh, the big man Tubelis. So they just still have a lot of talent on this Arizona team. And they're looking really solid right now. Um, they definitely should be a top 10 team um, to me. And they were the, you know, they came out with the championship in the Maui Invitational. Uh, a couple of these those upsets that I that as Brandon mentioned that I kind of wanted to point out. I think the one that was most surprising to me happened on Friday. Um, Purdue beat uh, Gonzaga. The score was eighty four to sixty six. Um, this one was surprising to me just because um, you know I, I didn't like Purdue. They're always a decent program, but I didn't really consider them to be necessarily on the same level as Gonzaga. Although, if you look at the way the teams are kind of constructed, you know, Purdue, they're kind of playing around this big man, Zach Eady. He's, I don't know, seven foot two, seven foot three. He's very tall. He's big. And, um, you know, he's definitely like an old school back to the basket, you know, college basketball center. He, his pro prospects aren't super great, at least in the NBA. I'm sure he could have a great European career, probably, or great overseas. But, this game he kind of dominated, and he dominated because Gonzaga doesn't really have like that rim protector kind of presence that they had last year with Chet Holmgren. I mean, Drew Timmy, he's a little smaller. He's he's more of a power forward than a than a center, so they don't really have that guy um, that can kind of be that rim protector against teams who are built around um, a big like Zach Eady. 
And so I think that's going to be interesting to see when they play more teams like this. I mean, there's so many you know, great bigs uh, this year in college basketball. I just talked about Arizona. They have two really solid bigs. Um, so there's a bunch of teams like that in college basketball that if they match up with Gonzaga, just it might be a bad matchup for Gonzaga. And that was Purdue was one of those teams. So that was interesting there. They also, you know, they lost Andrew Nemhard, their point guard. So just a few things with Gonzaga there that kind of shows that, you know, they're going to have a little bit more trouble. It's not going to be just, you know, running the table necessarily. Um, like it has been the past couple years for Gonzaga. I think I don't think this team's quite as good. Um, another team that I don't think is quite as good as maybe people thought preseason, uh, the North Carolina Tar Heels. They lost a game to Iowa State on Friday. This was an upset, seventy to sixty-five. And Iowa State they shot it really well. Um, they had a kid who hit seven out of eleven threes by the name of Caleb Grill. Um, just absolutely, he's a senior. Just absolutely unconscious. He was shooting very well from the floor. And North Carolina dropped one, you know? I mean, they're they're a solid team, but, you know, this is a North Carolina team who, you know, they, they weren't really playing well last year until they kind of hit their stride going into March, obviously, the conference tournament into the NCAA, NCAA tournament. And, you know, they had a little bit of a magical run. It was good, and that's not to take away credit. Like, they made the championship game. You know, you make a championship game. Like, you have to be you're not going to be a bad team and make a championship game, right? But ranking them number one, I always thought, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if number one's quite, I think it's just like a little bit too much praise for North Carolina, and, and they drop one here. So we'll see. I mean, they have a ton of things that they can improve on, but those are kind of my takeaways. I mean, we have a lot of upsets, a lot of big matchups this week. I mean, that's why I love Feast Week so much. We have more today. I mean, we still have uh, the Phil Knight Invitational, Phil Knight Legacy, the tournament's going on today. Um, I, I don't know if the Atlantis wrapped up or not, but the Battle for Atlantis was going on, which is another big tournament um, as well. Kansas actually lost. That's a third upset that I could mention. Tennessee beat Kansas. Another surprising one there, but Tennessee, they're a team who they drop one early in the year that they shouldn't have lost to Colorado. Now they're, you know, kind of, I guess, getting a big one here against Kansas, so... Yeah, a lot of interesting stuff in college basketball at this time of the year, and you know I'm excited to to continue to watch some of these games. Yeah, and I I think you know college basketball is such a unique sport. It's like such a weird time because there's so much going on, and obviously it'll pick up like in terms of fandom, and you know a couple weeks when you know college football is over, and you know we're out of the World Cup. Um, but look, we're all we're all looking forward to it. Um, Let's let's make our way over to college football. We technically have the last week of the season. Uh, next week is camp week, and then we have bowl games. And I mean, I think is it time to talk? I feel like it's time to talk about the game. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Right, like, I feel like <laughs> I feel like we're at the point. So Ohio State Michigan game is forty five twenty three, uh, twenty two point win by Michigan uh, in Columbus. This game was not frankly that close. Um, <clears throat> and I have I have a lot of interesting thoughts on this game. I think if you look at last year and the win that they had, uh, you know, the, everything kind of fell in place for Michigan, right? Like, you know, the weather wasn't so good. Michigan's a running team. Ohio State's a passing team. Um, and, you know, we knew that their run defense wasn't so good. Um, so they kind of abused Ohio State a little bit, um, took away a big win. This year, 
the conditions were much better for Ohio State. We had really, really nice weather. Uh, Michigan's Heisman front runner was out. And I know Ohio State had big players out too, without a doubt. I'm not like trying to discredit uh, that fact at all. Um, uh, but Corm didn't play. Corm didn't play at all. And he's, he's going to be in New York uh, in a couple weeks. Um, you know, you, you look at uh, Michigan, they have a new defensive coordinator this year, Jesse Minter. They have a new play caller on offense, Sharon Moore. So uh, a lot of things were not... I mean, the line was nine at game time. And this, this I mean, obviously the game wasn't even close, but the, the, the ramifications of this game, last year the recruiting gains that Michigan had were, were huge, really, really big. Uh, very, very exciting for the program. You know, they got to the playoff, had more success than Ohio State, and, and Ohio State felt those, you know, recruiting losses too. Now that we're at year two of this, I have changed my perspective as a Michigan fan. You know, I and you guys both know how pessimistic I am about the team. I just, I always think they're going to lose, it seems like. Um, this game, I think, has turned a tie. It's turned a tie in the rivalry, and it's turned a tie in the program. You know, us, four years ago, you know, people were like, Harbaugh should be fired, this and that, and they stuck with him. And, you know, I said, I told you guys years ago that that was, that was the right decision. There's no reason they should ever get rid of Harbaugh. And, and, he's, and there's no reason, at least football reason, that they should get rid of Harbaugh. He's the best coach that they've had, um, at least in my time of being a Michigan fan, in my lifetime. Um, and uh, he's one of the better coaches in college football. And you could see today, he outcoached a team that had way more talent on the field. Way more talent. Now, whether Ryan Day is a good coach or not, I mean, I'm not not here to dispute that. Um, but I feel like Harbaugh has solidified himself as this, this really top-flight coach that has the ability to beat his rivals, beating Michigan State this year, beating Ohio State, <clears throat> and, you know, taking, taking two years straight from Ohio State is, is really, really an important very, very important accomplishment. Um, and now they're one game away from, from making the college football playoff. And not just making it, most likely making it as the two seed. Um, this puts them you know, in a position to be in that final game. Something that we haven't seen from Michigan in, I don't know, 20 years? Ben, do you know the last time that Michigan was in a, a final? No, I have no idea. I think it was, was it not 99? I think it was 99. I don't know, you're the Michigan fan. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, Somewhere in the 90s. It's been a long time. So I, I think this success has changed, it turned over the rock completely. They're going to have huge recruiting gains from this, huge, just absolutely massive. They're going to um, they're gonna be able to gain a leg up on Ohio State. They, they haven't been able to do in such a long time. One year of recruiting gains is really big, but two years, that's a, that's a, that's a, whole, that's a whole team. That's going to be two, three years of a, uh, of a whole team. It's continued success off of this team. So I not only am I excited for Michigan's future, I think they have a real shot of winning the entire thing this year. A real decent shot. Am I going to project them to beat Georgia? Of course not. I'm not going to say they're going to beat Georgia. Georgia just looked really good this whole year. But Georgia's had close games. They've had close games against some not-so-great teams. You know? Um, you know, they, they just beat Kentucky, who's not bad. Kentucky's not bad, but they're not great. 16-6. to six. You know, they beat Tennessee, who at the time was, was, you know, the number one team in the nation. Really good team. 29-13. You know, they, they beat Kent State 39-22. They beat Missouri 26-22. So, if they can catch Georgia on the right... Now, then there's games that, like, they played Vanderbilt and they won 55 nothing. You know, they beat Oregon 49-3. If they're, if they're playing Georgia on one of those days, they're not winning that game. You know, but if, if both teams are, or if Michigan's able to play to their potential in a game that Georgia might not be, you know, fully on their, their, their day, they could, I mean, they could win the game. 
which would be is an insane possible. I would never have guessed this being of the year. So I'm I'm so impressed with with Michigan's play. Very unimpressed with Ryan Day. It seems like he stinks. Um, and yeah, and any thoughts that you guys had on the game, or frankly any of the college games, we had a lot of upsets uh, besides Michigan last game. But I'm sure, I know you guys both watched uh, the game. So any thoughts that you guys had? Yeah, so with with the Michigan-Ohio State game, I mean, I think that—I mean, the biggest reason Michigan won was because of the coaching. I mean, the coaching disparity was massive. I mean, the I, there were at least like four or five times where Ohio State just completely blew the coverage and J.J. McCarthy throws, you know, a 40, 50, 60-yard touchdown pass. It was insane. There was one where the, I don't think they had any safeties. I think they set a blitz, blitz uh, on Michigan— and they threw it to the left side. I forget who the receiver was, but he broke one tackle, and there was no one out. Like, he broke one tackle, and he ran it 40-something yards of the house. It's like, why are, why is there no one else back there um, in case there like there's one missed tackle and it's a touchdown? It's just, it, it's terrible coaching. It doesn't really make any sense to me, and it, it's not like it happened a couple times in the first half. And Ohio State went to the locker room and was like, okay, here's our adjustments. Here's how we're going to fix this. Maybe we're going to play... Uh, two deep safeties, or I don't know. We're we're gonna make some sort of adjustment so that we limit the big plays. Maybe we're gonna play more zone, you know, whatever the adjustment needed to be. But they didn't really do that. They didn't really seem to make a notable adjustment to slow down those big plays. If you slow down the big plays, you know, I mean that 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 changes the game because Michigan had four big plays that could could have completely flipped the game. Honestly, I mean, so that was a pretty big difference and. The weirdest thing to me was that for a while, I don't know if that was the entire first half, but for a long time, Michigan had one rushing yard and they were still either leading or it was like a tie game or something. I think it was, um, you know, early, they had 17 points and they had one rushing yard early in the game. And that was pretty wild to me. And then in the second half, you saw obviously Donovan Edwards kind of went off. I mean, he was phenomenal in this game. I thought he was just absolutely spectacular. And then in the second half, Ohio State only scored three points, which is another thing. I think definitely most of the blame has to go to the defense, but the offense also could have done you know plenty more. I mean, Bryce Young, we were talking about this before the podcast. He sat in the pocket. He had so much time to throw or to run, and he decided pretty much he pretty much never ran. I, I don't remember recall seeing him scramble and running for a first down. He sat in the pocket, and he had all day to throw, and... You know, you know, some of the time his receivers couldn't get open. Maybe he missed a throw. Maybe made a bad decision. But at the end of the day, Michigan was the better team. They were certainly a much better coach team. And um, yeah, I mean, they deserve it. I think Michigan's been good all year. And I, you know, I agree. I think Michigan totally has a chance to win it all. That's what I I was trying to convince you of yesterday. But I know that you know the smart fans. This is how they do it. The smart fans they're pessimistic. They they're like no like. Here's how we can lose. Even yesterday, we were watching the game. We were texting about it. I think the score was 38-23. I was like, this game's over. Ben, ben agreed with me. We we're like, this game's over. Because Ben and I, I don't, I don't think Ben really cares who wins the game. I don't really care too much who won this game. But I was like, the game's over. Brandon was like, no, there's still a chance Michigan can lose it. And that's what smart fans do. You know, you... You're playing like a little superstitious. Well, I, don't wanna, I didn't want you like... to jinx it. Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But... Exactly. But I think it's important. Let, let me talk about the pessimism. I I feel like it's rationalized. Like, there's Michigan hasn't beaten Ohio State in Columbus since two thousand. Yeah. Trevor, we were two. We were two <laughs> years old. Yeah. Like I think I think the pessimism is is very rational, 
from a team that's been the secondhand organization in the Big Ten uh, for for my whole lifetime. So like I I know you're you're like oh you do this with all your teams, but but you know like especially with Michigan at least. Like, and think about, like, with the Ravens, like, we've talked about more recently. Like, more recently, I've been like, look, this team's good. They're going to win games. Like, they're solid. Yeah. And Michigan, you can see I, I changed my tune now. So I'm not, I'm not like, just doing it to do it, like, as good luck. I'm doing it because it's what I actually, you know, like, I really do feel like that's how it is. I don't know. There might, it might be a hint of, like, an over-exaggeration. But, um, yeah, no, I, it was a good win for Michigan. I mean, I was watching this at, at a place where it was, like, maybe 20 Ohio State fans and, like, one singular Michigan fan. Um, and you know, and it was good. We, you know, we had a lot of good food, had some like grilled cheeses, like shout out to to Bobby who made the grilled cheeses. But the Michigan fan was also like sort of pessimistic, like kind of like, oh, Ohio State can at any point come back. They can turn it on. And I I guess in theory that's true, but in Michigan just, they look like the better team and, you know, they deserve to win. Yeah, no, 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 hundred percent. Uh, Ben, any, anything you want to talk about this week or we can move it along? I mean, I'm I'm happy that this rivalry is like an actual rivalry again because even like after yeah. last year, like you said, Brandon, like after last year, it could have been like eh, the weather, like it was kind of fluky. But I'm um, I think I mean I mean I think Ohio State fans would be stupid if they did not at least understand that this is a full on rivalry again. Like this is not a guaranteed win on your schedule anymore, Ohio State. Um, and it makes the I mean it makes the sport better. And when I'm not a Jim Harbaugh fan at all, I hate the guy, but. I, when they hired him, I thought I was like, "That's an awesome hire. He's a fantastic coach. He's one of the better coaches in college football." Um, and he did exactly what he what he needed to do, which was to bring Michigan back to relevance because it's better for the sport if if you have a, a power program like Michigan, a blue blood like Michigan, um, relevant. So I mean, it's the, it's the best rivalry in college football. I'm glad that it's an actual rivalry again because it makes it so much more entertaining, especially when um, you know they're playing the last weekend of the regular season every year. If they're consistently one of the top ten teams in this rivalry, it's gonna you know the, the stakes are gonna be super high every year. It's going to make it must-see TV. So I'm glad that that was the case this year, and I hope that's the case um, in the future moving forward. Yeah, no, 100%. I I, I hope it stays competitive. I really do, because I think that just is better for college football. I mean, this is the most-watched game every single year, so it's it's 100% better. Um, okay, let's let's move it along here um, and talk a little bit about the World Cup. Um, now, of course, we you know got to talk about U.S. We've had two draws one less impressive, one more impressive. Um, and I'm personally feeling all right. I'm feeling all right. I'm not feeling great. I'm not feeling bad, though, at all. I'm just kind of feeling all right. Like, it's it's all right. Um, the, you know, the England tie was was, was nice. Um, and the Wales tie was not as nice. The Wales sh- game should have been a win. Um, they should have had, you know, a couple more points there. Um, but now, now we play Iran, um, who is is very beatable. Very definitely can. I mean, I would consider them the favorite to win that game, um, and they have a very very good shot of, of making it through the stage. Um, so Ben, I'm gonna pass this to you first. What are what are your opinions on the U.S.'s performance so far? Um, I, I think it's been good. Like I, I I'm optimistic. I am. I, I am. Um, again, like they have to beat Iran to 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 get to the knockout stage. And I, obviously, like you said, they're the better team. I think they're expected to win that game, but it is, I mean, it's the world cup. Like you can't assume anything. Um, the, the, I think, and soccer's so weird. Cause again, like in America, we don't, we're not used to this whole tie thing. So it, it's hard because there are good ties and there's bad ties. And I think like Wales was a bad tie. Like that's a loss to me, but the England tie, I think that's a win. Cause I mean, England's a top five team in the world. U.S. was not expected to win that game. I think they were hoping to keep it close. So their goal differential was not going to be a disaster. But, I mean, that's a fantastic tie. 
And I was totally under the assumption, like, I'm not a soccer fan at all. I will never claim to be a soccer fan. That's why we bring Josh on here. But um, I was always under the assumption, like, I always told people, if I ever have to watch a 0-0 tie in soccer, I'm going to be so upset. That was a fantastic game. Like, I, there is not one point during that game where I was upset that no goals were being scored. Um, because the U.S. was playing so well. And, yeah, they, they, they had chances, and they were the better team that whole game, and they couldn't get anything to fall. But um, I, I'm very optimistic. I think that they are a good team. They're not a great team. I'm not going to say they're going to win the World Cup or anything, but I think their goal this this cycle or this World Cup should be get to the knockout stage, and then it's almost like the NCAA tournament. Who knows? Anything can happen. Um, so they put – I mean, they're in a they're in a in – a, in a position to be successful, they, they just have to win against what most people would assume to be the worst team in the group um, in Iran. So I, I think there's a lot of hope for, for this, this team and, and for this generation. They, they keep calling it the golden generation of American soccer because they are one of the youngest teams in the world. Um, and I, the hope is that they can do well in this World Cup, build off of it. And then in 2026, when they're the host, um, they have a realistic chance to maybe get to a, to a Final Four or Final Eight or whatever, you know, farther than they've been in a long time. So. Um, exciting team. It, it's fun when they're all they're all right around our age. They're all you know twenty to twenty five. It's it's cool to see you have a lot of these young players that have grown up in the system. Soccer is becoming more popular here in America, and I think we're starting to, to reap the benefits of that a little bit in terms of our youth, youth soccer programs in this country have picked up over the last so many years because football is becoming less popular, um, mm-hmm. at least in youth sports. So I'm excited. I'm excited. We have we have an, like Christian Pulisic's awesome. He's been the face of this team since he was 17 years old. Um, and he will continue to do that. He was great in the game on Friday. And again, any time that we we have a chance to, to to face England, where soccer is so you know they have so much pride in their soccer program, and they have yet to beat us in a World Cup, it it makes us feel so much better as a country. The fact that that we're able to do that. So um, two ties again. It, it it it's it's hard to like be happy or sad about them, but I do think um, from where we're at right now, I'm I'm happy with what the U.S. has done. I've I've enjoyed watching both games, and I'm definitely going to be excited to watch them play Iran on Tuesday. Yeah, it's it's gonna be very very exciting. Um, all right, let's let's keep on moving here, Trevor. To of course the NBA. Uh, a couple quick topics I think you wanted to discuss here. Where are we starting? Uh, in the 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 pro basketball. Yeah, league? absolutely. So I I did get to go to a Cavs game on Wednesday. So I wanted to quickly just talk about my experience. Um, the cat, you know, the Cavs vibes. I know it's like we're becoming a Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. You know, we're not. Let's, I'm gonna make that very clear that we are not becoming that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're not, we're yeah, not. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I got to go to the Cavs-Blazers game on Wednesday. Um, You know, just a very fun game. Um, I just love, well, first of all, I should say I love Rocket Mortgage Arena, um, which we've been there a couple times, Brandon, Brandon and I, we've went together. Um, But I, the way their arena, it's it's so nice, and it's just, the game was pretty awesome. We had pretty good seats, Um, and it was a really good game. The Cavs played very well. Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, you know, just it, it seems like it's it's almost like a normal thing now where they just both have really great nights. They've been, especially Donovan Mitchell, has been very consistent all season. There aren't a ton of down games for him or Garland. They're both very good consistently, and it's kind of, the, the fit has been maybe even better than I could have expected so far because Mitchell fits very perfectly into like the natural score whereas Garland's more of like the more natural passer like Garland is such a gifted passer um and you can see he's always like kind of looking uh to set up you know whether it's Evan Mobley or Jared Allen he does such a good job but at the same time he still is a threat you know shooting the three um he, he's just been so good to start the season and Donovan Mitchell obviously you know if the team if the offense is a little stagnant at times Donovan Mitchell could just come in and hit two straight threes or go in and get a nice little like Euro step layup. 
Um, and it, it's so fun to watch. And then um, Jared Allen has been, I think, really vital to this team, maybe more important than people fully realize because you can kind of tell, like, just looking at, the, I don't know specific, specifically what the on-off numbers are, like with Jared Allen or without, but I know it's a pretty big difference um, because Jared, Jared Allen was out when the Cavs went on a little bit of a losing streak. They lost a couple in a row there, but then he came back, and now they I think they won three or four in a row, um, including that Portland game before falling to the Bucks on Friday. And in that Milwaukee game, Jared Allen actually had a minor injury again and went out, so you know, hopefully he's okay. I don't think it's it's too bad, but he's very important to this team. I mean, I think that going into this season, the one of the things I was looking at this Cavs roster, and I was like, okay, that that small forward spot, the three spot, that's where my question kind of lies, because it's like, okay, so you have Karis Levert, who you know he's a pretty good scorer. He he's a you know an all around decent scorer, but in terms in terms of his like efficiency, three point shot, it hasn't always been that great. To start this season, it was it's been pretty good. But overall, I wasn't sure about Karis Levert. I also wasn't sure about his defense necessarily. So I thought, okay, maybe Isaac Okoro, like he's the guy who at Auburn he was a lockdown defender. Like he was one of the best defenders coming in the draft. He just needs to kind of get the get the three point shot, get the offense going. Which that's you know he's still young. Um, that's going to be a process. But he has the defense. So I was thinking maybe he could be the answer there. Or then you even have like a guy like Dean Wade, you have Jetty Osman, like these are other options as well. And, you know, Dean Wade has actually kind of surprised me. He's been pretty good as well. But another area that I actually think might be even more important than that three spot is a third big, like off the bench, which they currently don't really have a solid big. Like they play Robin Lopez. You know, Robin Lopez was out there for maybe, I don't know, five to ten minutes when they gave Jared Allen and or Mobley a rest. And you could see that that's when the Blazers went on their run in this game. That's where they really took advantage. Robin Lopez, at this stage of his career, he's not really that great of a defender. He's pretty slow. Um, you know, opposing guards or even forwards can beat him off the dribble. And that's why Jared Allen's so important. So I think that, you know, if the Cavs, they're in a position now where, I mean, they're 12-7, and seven, they're third in the East. I mean, if you can, you know, once we get January, February, if you can kind of find like a decent backup big that could be a solid rim protector. I feel like that's somewhere where the Cavs, you know, can improve kind of on the fringes, you know, not a not a huge splash, splash, but like on the fringes, you can get a little bit more depth on this team because this is a Cavs team that I get that it's, you know, they're still very young. It's the first year where Donovan Mitchell is incorporated in this team, but I don't think it's outlandish to think that the Cavs, actually could you know compete maybe even win the title I don't think it's crazy they're obviously right now a step behind the Celtics and Bucks I think but if they improve in certain ways you know with a backup big maybe with another like veteran wing a veteran presence that they could have coming off the bench like that can make the team better so those were kind of my thoughts on that game I had a lot of fun um, I also wanted to quickly mention the Indiana Pacers because Indiana Pacers have been a big surprise this season. They're 11 and seven. Uh, they've been playing very well. Um, they're eight and two in their last 10 games, which is pretty wild. I mean, the Pacers were one of the teams that we thought was going to be in the race for, you know, to tank, to, to get that number one pick. That's not the route they've gone. You know, we, we talked about the Utah Jazz a couple weeks ago. Um, the Indiana Pacers now are another team that's looking really good. So one to mention them, Tyrese Halliburton, a player who I've I've really loved since you know playing at Iowa State 
and you know he's on the JJ Reddick podcast every once in a while. Um, just someone I've always liked to root for. So Tyrese Halliburton, he's been playing out of his mind. Benedict Matherin, one of my favorite players coming out of Arizona. Um, he's you know arguably the the rookie of the year right now. I mean him and um, you know Palaban Caro are kind of fighting for it, but it might be Ben Matherin right now who has the edge. So Pacers have been a super fun team to watch um, lately, and you know with all the the young talent that they have they've just really kind of made it work so far it's gonna be interesting to see if they can keep it going yeah 100 100 percent. so at this point in time trevor quickly mm-hmm. who's the best team in the league in your opinion uh for for me so right now i think the celtics are playing the best um but the bucks don't have chris middleton still so i think it's right. it's got to be one of those two for me i get like phoenix you know they've been playing pretty well but to me, it's it's the Bucks or Celtics. Those are the two. I th- I feel fairly confident that one of those two teams are going to win the championship. To be honest with you, I think we could definitely see a situation where it's Bucks Celtics Eastern Conference Final, and that's kind of like the championship. Like the winner of that is going to win it all because I think both of those teams are just so good, and the Bucks haven't even gotten Middleton back yet. So right now, the Celtics are playing like the best, but. You know, my preseason prediction was the Bucks to win the championship, and I, I would stick with that. They just don't currently have Middleton yet. Interesting. Very, very interesting. All right, let's head on over to our last topic on the day, uh, which is, of course, the NFL. Uh, and as we do every single week, we'd start with a couple takeaways uh, from the previous week, um, which I was a little bit a little while ago. Um, ben, I'm going to head to you first. Some takeaways that you have. Um, you know, we saw the Vikings lose big. Obviously, they bounced back this, you know, Thanksgiving, this Thanksgiving week. Um, we had the Commanders with another good win. Uh, anything that kind of pokes out to you, speaks to you? Yeah, two things. Um, and this is th- this first one also kind of goes to the, the games on Thursday on Thanksgiving. But the Cowboys are legit. I mean, they destroy the Vikings, who are not a bad team. Um, they're not the best team or anything, but the, the Vikings are not a bad team. The Cowboys destroy them. And then they go on and, and they beat the Giants on Thanksgiving. So I think the Cowboys are, are a legit team. They're 8-3. and three. Um, they, they have weapons on offense and defense. I think they're a good team. Now, they're the Cowboys. I expect them to lose in the divisional round of the playoffs, but this might be the best chance they have to actually get to the NFC uh, Championship this year. They are a pretty good team. Um, my second takeaway, nothing new. I, I feel like it's the same thing every weekend, but, I mean, we're going to be doing this for, for the next 10 years. Patrick Mahomes is insane. Um, that, that Chiefs-Chargers game last Sunday night was incredible. I don't know how you can watch that game and not tell me that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, he is just ridiculous. I mean, if he has the ball and there's not zeros on that clock, like I am not, I'm not convinced that that game is over. Um, he, if he has any time at all, he can do it. He's just something about his, his athletic ability and his, his, the way that he can create a play out of nothing. And yes, it helps when you have Travis Kelsey and you have weapons, but I mean, you got to remember like going into this year, people were like, Oh no, no Tyree Kill, the Chiefs are going to take a step back. And I, I think as long as Patrick Mahomes is on that team, you are always going to have a chance to win a football game. Um, just absolutely incredible. I love Joe Burrow. I love that he's the quarterback of the Bengals. But I think you're crazy if not every – every you know, there's 31 teams in the NFL that wish they had Patrick Mahomes at quarterback because um, just an absolute freak with the football. And he really does always – he always gives the, the Chiefs a chance to win. So um, the, the Chiefs are I, – I, I think if you ask me right now, they're the best team in the NFL. Um, I'd still, I think they're better than the Eagles if I had to choose right now. Um, just, just weapons all, all, all around. Andy Reid, a fantastic head coach, nothing new there. 
Um, just very impressed. Very impressed with the way that they've handled you know the division that was supposed to be you know like the toughest division of all time. And it's still a good division, but I think because the Chiefs are so good and they're beating all these teams that we thought would be more competitive, people are thinking that the AFC West is not as good as it is, which is true. But the Chiefs are still clearly the class of that division. So um, I don't like the Chiefs. I think I'm tired of them winning all the time, but I, I I have to respect them because they are a fantastic team, and they're gonna. It seems like they got Patrick Mahomes for a lot longer. They're gonna continue to be a fantastic team with him. Yeah, Trevor. Any any thoughts on this past week? Yeah, I mean, I think the the two. I mean, Ben mentioned the Dallas Cowboys, which is a team that sticks out to me. I agree, they look very good. Um, they've been a team that I've been thinking about for weeks. I'm like, man, could the Cowboys win the NFC? Could they? I know that. All this stuff with the Cowboys, and they usually find a way to mess it up. I get all that, but the talent that they have, um, the way they played against the Vikings, uh, and then the Giants game was pretty solid as well. I'm just looking at them like, I, I don't know. I think if you look at just solely talent, I think their ceiling in the NFC is higher than the Eagles and the Niners and the Vikings, personally. Now, their coach is Mike McCarthy. He's. I don't really believe in him a lot. Dak isn't as consistent as I would like him to be. Um, so there's definitely hesitation. And they're just the Cowboys, which we've seen so many times they find a way to mess it up. So there's hesitation there. But I think in terms of talent, they have the highest ceiling. Um, one of those other teams, the San Francisco 49ers, they obviously had huge win over the Cardinals, 38-10. to 10. Obviously, they have McCaffrey. They're a team that... I think does have a little bit more trust in terms of their coaching. You know, I think they've been a team that they made a Super Bowl a couple years ago with Jimmy G. They were a team that was pretty close last year as well. So in terms of like uh, trust level, maybe stability, maybe you could argue that the the 49ers are actually the better team. But it's really interesting, I think, the situation we have in the NFC because you still have the Eagles. Now, obviously, the Eagles haven't looked quite as good the past couple weeks, but they're still obviously one of the teams that we're talking about. And then the Minnesota Vikings, who a team that, you know, we had the last week come on and be like, all right, maybe we've been too hard on them. Well, me specifically, maybe I've been a little bit of a doubter. Maybe I shouldn't doubt the Vikings. Then they go and get destroyed by the Cowboys, 40-3. So it's like, I don't know. They did beat the Patriots Thursday, and I, I thought they looked pretty good. You know, I, I, I don't think the Patriots are all that great. So, but... I do think the fact that they were able to score 33 points on that Patriots defense, I thought that was pretty impressive. So I think the NFC is more what I'm focused on versus the AFC right now because I I believe in the Chiefs a lot right now. I think the Chiefs are uh, pretty clear. I mean, the Bills are going to get there. I still believe the Bills are going to get back to that level. But for now, the Chiefs are pretty clearly number one, whereas NFC, you have Philly, Dallas, San Fran, and Minnesota would be the fourth for me. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see and just follow, you know, the next couple weeks. Well, little plug, I do rankings every single week. Um, and I write an article on the Small Ballers website, thesmallballer.com. Go check it out. Um, and uh, I actually kept the Vikings above the Cowboys. And everyone was like, you have to be kidding, right? And I was like, no, I just like the Vikings a lot. Um, and I, I think the Cowboys, the Cowboys are good. I just, I just really like the Vikings. And maybe I'm a little bit too high on them. Maybe that's a hot take. Um uh, but I, I, I'm a big Vikings believer. Um, even even after that blow win. For whatever reason, I just am. It's just a feeling I have in my gut. All right, let's get to our uh, our cross-off today. Um, and we're again, we're, we're getting down to it. We only have like six or seven more to do. We did come to a consensus, though, um, on the team that we wanted to cross off. 
which I believe is the Los Angeles Rams, correct? Yeah, this is something that Ben's been talking about the Rams a a little bit, and I think Ben was 100% right. They they lay an egg against the Saints. Now Stafford's supposed to not be playing today. Uh, You know, Cooper Cup's out for a while. They're playing the Chiefs today, so they're 3-7, you know. Probably going to be three and eight, so I, I think the Rams probably the pick. Yeah, and I think that for me personally, there's two major things. Number one, they're three and seven, so if they lose two more games, they're I'd give them like a ninety nine percent chance they don't make the playoffs. And they have at least, in my opinion, three to four games that like are very well could be losses. I mean, the Chiefs game today's they're not going to win. They got to play the Seahawks twice. Uh, most likely they don't win one of those. And they might not have Stafford. This is the other reason. They might not have Stafford again this season. So I don't have a lot of faith in this team. And I even made the comment before the podcast, this team, where it sits currently, is what the Browns are going to be. Because they have no picks, because they overpaid a ton of players, and they traded for a ton of players. And they have absolutely no future because Stafford is withering away. Even though I do like Stafford, he's he's a little injury-prone, um, and they don't have a lot of assets around him offensively. It's going to be tough for them to get those assets as well. So, <clears throat> not very high in the Rams, and I think that's a reasonable pick, Ben. Any any thoughts? Any more thoughts you want to give on the Rams? No, I'm ready to cross them off. Um, I'm glad they won their Super Bowl last year because they just destroyed their franchise for the next however many years by going all in last year, which, I mean, I, I, I don't blame them. It's, I would do I the think same thing. I, I was going to say, I'd do the same thing. It's absolutely worth it, but I'm just saying, like, we always said last year, like, they have been trading all their picks, like, this is now or never, and you know, we've gotten to a point now where we're talking about their future is going to be sketchy. Well, now we're in there in, into that future. It's not looking good for them moving forward. Um, and yes, they've had a lot of injuries, but I, I think they're they're yeah absolutely easy choice to cross off three and seven. Um, tough schedule moving forward. Going to take an L today, so um, I, I have no issue with that. Also, can you imagine at the beginning of the year we would have said Chiefs Rams on November twenty seventh? It's got to be a top five game in the NFL season. I have no interest to watch this game at all. I think it's going to be a terrible game, which is just crazy to think about if you would have said that in in September. Oh, yeah. 100%. All right, let's get to our SPP bets. Uh, This is where we have a bet um, between each one of us and then all three of us together about the NFL. Um, And all right, so let's pull up all of our information here. Um, So our bet that's across all of us was the average point scored by... Just teams in the NFL, pretty much, um, you know, throughout the season. So uh, I guess twenty two point nine points, you know, per game per team. Uh, Trevor guessed twenty two point four, and Ben you guessed twenty two point two. So last week, I think it was at twenty one point nine, right? It went up a little bit. Yeah, I think it. Yes, did. yeah, you're yes. right. Mm-hmm. This week, gentlemen, it stayed the same. It is at twenty one point nine. Ben, every week that it stays the same, yep, that's good for me. Or goes yeah. down is a winning week for oh, you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, however, we are off to a start this week um, that would average above. It'd be like twenty-five points. So, yeah. so far, not a great start to this week in terms of our Thanksgiving games, which we're all really close. Um, Trevor, me and you have the. Uh, the Panthers versus who? Uh, the Lions. Uh, Lions. I have the Lions winning more games, and you have the Panthers winning more games. Um, I feel way more comfortable about mine today. Seems like the yeah. Lions are hitting a little bit of a gear. They now have a one-win lead, um, and they do got to play each other eventually. If the Lions win that game, I think that's a little bit of a GG. Yeah. Um, the Lions. Ben, you have with Trevor 
Brady versus Burrow touchdowns. I know Burrow's winning. What's the number at right now? It is. So Burrow's got 22. Brady's got 12. So 10 touchdown lead for Joe Burrow. He had four touchdowns last week. Big week for Joe Burrow there. Um, yeah. So I think you're big chalked I, over there too, Trevor. I feel, That's good. I feel good about myself there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you're over for 2 there. Ben, me and you um, have a, 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 a little bet here between Josh Allen touchdowns and Justin Herbert touchdowns. Now... I think you're going to win, but I think it's going to get a little spicier. It might. Because Allen is probably going to play hurt the rest of the year. Yeah. He'll throw some touchdowns, but he's not the same. Herbert, in theory, is getting his receivers back after pretty much not having them the whole year. So I think there's like a, a chance that I can come back. But what are we sitting at? If it's like under eight, I think there's a chance. If it's over eight, I'm, I'm feeling worried. Well, it's seven right now. It's it's uh, okay. Josh Allen has 23 and Herbert has 16, so seven touchdown lead for me. I agree. I think it, I think it'll it'll be close, um, especially. I think if, we have just yeah, enough games that could make it close. And I'm not saying that this is a guarantee to happen, but let's say Josh Allen sits game 17 or whatever. That might be the difference right there. So who knows? Yeah. So then it would be it would be average per game. Okay. Um, right? Isn't that what we define? I have like no if idea. any of them set a game? I don't know. That's fine. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's close. I, I do think it's Which close. Both then, have, both have been hurt throughout the year, so I think that that is, you know, that's kind of that is kind of, um, you know, lowered or lessened the gap between the two a little bit. Yes, yes. That is, <laughs> it has been an unfortunate year, I think, for her. But I kind of got the uh, the short end of the stick on this deal with Allen and Williams being hurt pretty much the whole year. Um, but that's okay. That sometimes happens. But there is all of our bets. So to wrap up the podcast today, let's look forward to today's games. We obviously had the three Thanksgiving games. Kind of all expected outcomes. Bills, Cowboys, Vikings winning. Um, today, what games do we have that look super good? Honestly, kind of a, a weak week, if we're being honest. Um, I'd say the game of the week. I mean, I'm sorry, Ben. It, it, it is. It's probably Bengals-Titans. Um, an uphill battle for sure for the Bengals, but a very winnable game. This would be a, a really good defining, like game-defining game uh, for the Bengals if they can pull this one out at Tennessee. It would be a really big deal. That's probably the only game I see as like notable to, to discuss. Um, but I'll let you go last because I think you'll say the same thing. Trevor, any other games besides that that you want to talk about? Yeah, so Bengals Titans, that's the best game. I I'm really interested in that one because I know the Bengals are, you know, they're missing uh, you know, they're missing a couple of weapons. But I think these teams I I would say like if I'm doing my power rankings like like your power rankings Brandon, which by the way everyone everyone should go look at Brandon's power rankings. He did a wonderful Thank job. You. Um I think these teams are like like back to back. Like they're right in that same tier. They're, you know, right around that like 9, 10, 11, something like that. Um, so I think they're very evenly matched teams. Um, the Titans are at home, but I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, whether the Bengals won the Titans game, Titans won. I think it'll be relatively low scoring because it's the Titans and they, they try to, you know, hand the ball off and obviously their defense is pretty solid. So I expect a pretty low scoring grind out game, but I think it's going to be good because I do expect it to be close and maybe come down to the last possession. So certainly that one. Um, outside of that, I mean, I'm looking through and honestly, um, I, you know, I think you're kind of right. Like there's not a ton of interesting ones. I mean, we do have, I mean, Packers Eagles. I know that the Packers aren't as good. Like I know, but I'm, st I still am kind of intrigued for that game because the Eagles haven't looked as good the past couple weeks. I want to see if they bounce back and they can get a big statement win over the Green Bay Packers. So I am interested in Packers Eagles this week. 
Interesting, interesting. All right, Ben, you get to wrap it up because I'm sure you, maybe you'll have some thoughts on Bengals Titans. Yeah, this is a gross week. I mean, it, it, it's kind of expected when you put you know your two of the best games on Thanksgiving. I get it, but it, gross Sunday today. Um, yeah, just real quick on Bengals Titans because it's the best game. I, I think it's disgusting that the Bengals are the favorite in this game. There's they have no business winning this game. They're not going to win this game. Um, and I'm not just saying that because we talked about how it, it's nice to be pessimistic and then you know expect low and, and see what happens. But I do think the Bengals being a one-point favorite is disgusting. Um, no Jamar Chase, no Joe Mixon. I, I do not think they'll win this game. We'll see, though. You never know. Um, but, not yeah, not a good not a good week, not a good NFL slate this Sunday. Disgusting games. The, the game tomorrow night, Monday night football, Steelers-Colts is a disgusting game. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's still the NFL. It's, it's still I will still watch regardless of who's playing. But um, definitely one of the one of the lower tier weeks, I would say, if, if you had to rank them this week. Interesting. All right. Well, I think we'll kind of wrap it up there for today. Anything else you guys want to talk about before the uh, the outro? I think we're good. I mean, U.S. has right. a big soccer game coming up on yes, Tuesday. Yes, on Tuesday. Um, and you know, Iran. They need to win, and they're in. Yes, that's they all do. that needs to happen. Yes, they do. So, all right, we'll wrap up the podcast there for today. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Of course, um, subscribe, leave a five-star review if you enjoyed. We'll have another AA team coming out this week. I don't really know what day because I don't think they're recording on Tuesday, um, but we'll figure it out. Uh, go check out the website. Everything's on the website, our articles, um, our, our our podcast. You can check out everything, uh, thesmallballers.com. Link will be in the description, but um, I took a lot of time on the website, so go just go go click it. Just go read an article. Go Go listen to a podcast. Go do something on the website. Um, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good time. Um, but with that being said, thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons.